In this edition of DevTalk with Rich and Vin, we discuss the ecosystem for AI and machine learning, and we bring in a special guest, Kasha Vora of Renaissance. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition, actually a special edition of DevTalk with, with Rich and Vin. I am Rich, and the guy that you can't see, but I can see, is Vin. Hey, doing, Vin? Great, Rich. How are you? I am doing just fine. Thank you very much. Um, so this is a special edition of Dev Talk with Rich and Ben. And it you is. say, well, why is this a special edition, Rich? Why? Why is this a special edition, Rich? <laughs> because we have a special guest. Uh, our special guest is Kashal Vora, and he is a senior director at Renaissance. How are you doing, Kashal? I'm great. I'm feeling so special today. Um, <laughs> thanks. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to be in, in the company of uh, you know both of you. Thank you for having me. You know, I, I think you're actually our first guest. Is, is that right, Ben? Yeah, yeah, he's our first yeah. guest. So you have special honors, special I'm, honors. I'm, I'm really honored today. Okay, well, set the bar high, okay? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, go so, lower now, right? There you go. Um, so we want to talk about uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning. And I know, Kashal, you know a lot about that. I know you do as well, Ben. Um, but the, the where I want to take this, I take this... This, these discussions in this direction all the time because it applies to a lot of stuff we do. No matter how great your technology is, if you don't have the ecosystem to back it up, you're not getting anywhere. We talk about this with MCUs. We've actually talked about it with RISC-V for a real long time, but it certainly applies to uh, AIML. So um, as one of the guys who's pretty advanced in, in AIML, Kashal, um, what do you have to say about what exists today in the ecosystem? Yeah, so the AIML piece that we are referring to really is, you know, you know, there's there's just so much hype around chat GPT and you know generative AI, and a lot of people associate AIML with that. But really, what there's there's also a lot of um, exponential opportunity in what we call tiny machine learning, which is basically AIML that gets squeezed into smaller compute nodes, right? So, I mean. What's really driving this is, you know, the maturity that we're seeing in IoT. You know, IoT has been around for what about a decade now, um, and then we're seeing a lot of maturity in in machine learning and and underlying capabilities of hardware to execute machine learning workloads, right? Um, but what's more important, right? IoT really made people realize the complexity in software, right? And, and therefore it drove an ecosystem around software that basically had to be driven um, for enabling you know, system level capabilities. Like you wanna add security to your device or you wanna add you know, uh, really good human machine interfacing to your device, a nice graphics package to your device. So IoT has a pretty robust ecosystem today, right? Most semiconductor companies have you know, a large ecosystem that's focused on software building blocks um, that allow customers to basically adopt um, and build their systems and make them IoT ready, right? Um, what's happening with AI, right? While IoT was is is really a, a very strong connected network for uh, as such, um, there's still very limited capabilities for devices to think for themselves. So what's happening now is we're having some very interesting. Um, uh, evolutions in the industry, whether it's hardware companies trying to evolve their hardware to support AI machine learning workloads, 
or there are software companies that are basically enabling tools for engineers to take data and to basically create models that can basically run on these devices. Or there are other companies that are evolving around, you know, how do you actually collect, uh, you know, the right data set for your machine learning? Or how do you actually, you know, once your model gets deployed in the field, how do you make sure that the model is continuing to stay healthy, right? So there's a lot of evolution, I would say, in the ecosystem around AI and ML as far as tiny ML is concerned, right? Um, semiconductor players um, like Renaissance are driving a lot of this around their products. Um, what we're doing is we're innovating on the hardware side, adding acceleration features on our hardware, but then we're also driving our ecosystems around the space, especially you know, people that provide tool chains to make you know, the developer journey easy, people that specialize in creating data sets, people that specialize in ML ops, um, you know, so on and so forth, right? So it's immensely important to have a strong ecosystem around AI and machine learning. Um, but I think we're in the early stage and, and I think a lot more, um, you know, has to happen before we can say we're, we're at that maturity level. Okay, before I let you answer, Ben, real quick, the difference between ML and tiny ML. So tiny ML is ML that can be squeezed into really tiny space device, you know, resource constrained devices, right? Okay. Um, and, and that's the main difference. Okay, hence the name tiny. Yeah. Ben, I know you're chomping at the bit here. I, I am I am chomping at the bit. So I agree <laughs> with everything that Kashal said, and, and he was a little humble when he talked about the ecosystem growing around IoT and software modules. His, his company actually spearheaded that in the industry uh, with with really creating not just example code, but code that can be used in final solutions. And many of the other companies in the industry fo followed suit in various ways. So um, I look at this really in in two ways because my brain is too simple to look at it in in, to in total. Um, when you think about the right brain and the left brain in the human brain, the right brain is looking at images and doing parallel processing. The left side of the brain is doing serial processing. And when you look at AI that's happening, we hear a lot about neural networks. We hear a lot about image processing. We hear a lot about voice processing. Um, and, and these all, as Kashal said, require some special hardware in place to accelerate it in silicon. And especially if you want to do it on like an MCU or something that's not, not connected, certainly. Uh, and there are plenty of companies doing that work. And I'm sure, you know, so somewhere in, in the bowels of design, uh, Renesis is doing that work as well. But what's interesting about what I'm seeing on what I'm calling the left brain side of uh, AI, which doesn't get a lot of press, is the ability to, to process serial information from things like sensors and stuff like that. And that's more of what I would call a left brain process. And that functionality is already built into a lot of processors that are out there because you could do that if you know what you're doing with DSP techniques. And DSP extensions exist on the ARM uh, architecture, which is you know the most popular architecture these days and exists in even some of the instruction sets for some proprietary processors like the RX from Renesis. So you can do those, that kind of processing in a way that makes it AI already without having to wait for some special silicon to do just the thing that you want to do. And for many systems, you know, the, you and I talked about this in an earlier uh, podcast, uh, when you try to define what an embedded system is, it is 
understanding the physical environment around it and doing something to affect it, like a thermostat, measuring temperature and turning heat on and off as a very simple example. And so small MCUs are perfect for that. And you need to have some kind of AI processing that can fit in that model, hence the whole tiny ML stuff, some of which is image and neural network, but a lot of it can be reduced to this serial processing, but in a different way than you would do it algorithmically with just if then else conditional statements for conditional um, pathways through your code. Yeah. Before I forget, uh, you mentioned voice processing and you guys are starring in a webcast to discuss uh, adding voice processing to your system. And that is on May 3rd. There's a link to that in the description of this podcast. I didn't want to yeah. forget that. He's starring. I'm a supportive role. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I mean, Vin made some really good points, right? I mean, we, you know, he talked about a, a bulk of the, the misconception in the market today is when you think about AI, you synon it's, it's often synonymized with deep learning, right? And deep learning is just one part of AI and machine learning, especially as far as tiny ML is concerned, right? Um, most IoT devices don't have the ability to see or talk, right? They don't have cameras because they're very, very power constrained devices. Most sensor nodes, the billions and billions and billions of sensor nodes that we talk about in IoT can't, don't even have the ability to see, right? So most of the machine learning techniques that tend to get used in non-visual sensing applications tend to be DSP heavy, right? Tend to be based on signal processing and signal conditioning math, right? Um, and the other important thing to understand with machine learning, um, again, this is a misconception. A lot of people think about designing the most effective machine learning model, but creating a machine learning model is only in my view, 5% of the problem. The bigger problem is when you actually collect the data, are you collecting data in a way that is robust and is effective? And secondly, once you've collected the data, which aspects of the data that you need to look at and focus on? You know, you might realize 90% of your data set doesn't really do much in terms of you know, intelligence, right? It's that one threshold change that you're looking for in a signal, which might say, okay, this, this now means black versus white, right? So it's, there's a concept called feature extraction. So basically it, what it means is you extract the features from a data set and then you focus your model building on those features. And that's where a lot of innovation is happening in the ecosystem. Um, and and you know, even internally at Renaissance is building algorithmic feature extraction capabilities in tools so that you can really build efficient machine learning models. It, that's what makes it fit in really small machines, right? But, and, and that's but it, isn't the beauty of this technology, that even if you don't start with the right models, it's learning over time. Eventually it might take longer, but eventually it'll get to where you want to be. Is, is, is yeah, that I mean, often, often a lot of these tools don't, I mean, you know, in the end, the engineer doesn't care how you solve the problem, right? I'm not saying that I want to solve this problem just using this particular type of model because it sounds good most tools will, will do that abstraction in the background, right? Most tools will be able to figure out which is the right model to use for a particular use case. What, where a lot of the ecosystem lacks today and a lot of the tools don't do this very well today is they don't, they just take a data set blindly and start figuring out which model to apply on it without, without doing intelligent feature extraction. And I think that's where from an ecosystem standpoint that brings, brings me back to your ecosystem question, the ecosystem is growing 
but there's also a lot of companies that you know in my view are doing things that they don't fully understand um you know and and you know a, a lot of that will get weeded out as as the industry matures um but you know this is the the fun of being in an emerging um space is you know there's a lot of noise out there and then there are you know few of these companies that are really doing some hardcore um work that is very interesting okay we're just about out of time i'm going to put you both on the spot is the ecosystem ready now for a designer to jump in and do his design or should he be waiting another 6 months 9 months 12 months i mean the ecosystem is absolutely ready there's a lot of um investments happening from large semiconductor companies like ours to prop up that ecosystem um it does require a little bit of guidance and hand holding right now because that's that's less to do with ecosystem more to do with you know just people not being comfortable using ai and machine learning um coming from the embedded space um uh, but the ecosystem is ready right now it's been it's been ready for a long time and i think it will evolve um you know uh, over time and i i think it's ready uh and it's ready in its infancy which means it's ready to grow and it's only going to grow if people are in there playing with it and trying things you know rich and you're in my tenure cuz we're a little older than than kashal uh, we've seen software engineering and software engineering t uh, techniques transition dramatically from what it was 30 years ago to what it is now and that's because we got into it in its infancy and people were trying to use electrical engineering ways to solve things in software and they realized it was a completely different engineering discipline and that matured and we had to mature along with it and i think this part of software engineering which really honestly in most cases is a combination of software and and hardware engineering you know people the hardware guy shouldn't get nervous and and you know this whole feature extraction idea isn't isn't new if you think about it in digital logic terms you you might have you know 25 digital lines and after you do your minimization you realize that 20 of them are don't care what we would call don't cares in digital logic uh, vernacular so it's a very similar thing right you're taking 120 lines of data and you realize that only these three are needed to be able to detect a certain condition so the 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 engineering process is the same and, and I think that it's so young, especially in the tiny ML space, which is where our listenership in the embedded world is. Uh, it's just starting and growing, and any one of us can give input. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Uh, this was very educational, and I look forward to expanding on this. And Kashal, you did set the bar pretty high for the next yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. That was Kashal Vora. He is a senior director with Renaissance, and you know me and Ben. Have yep. a good day, everybody. Bye-bye, guys.